Well, hey, it's episode five, and it's Bobby. And Jared, uh, coming to you uh, over video chat. Yeah, video chat. This is so, <laughs> this is yeah, gonna be fun. We could. We're, I'm I'm on Christmas break uh, from school, but somehow we couldn't get together. I think because we're just spending time with our families and our, uh, you know, and of course uh, when you have multiple children. One of them's always not feeling well, so, <laughs> right? That's pretty much how it goes. Um, and for that, and you mentioned yeah. that, so let's go ahead and give the disclaimer now. Um, I'm recording from my home. Jared is in his home. I have a puppy in his crate that is a, um, in the living room around here, so you might hear a puppy barking or yelping uh, soon. Um, so we'll see what happens to that. And I also have three kids that are getting, are getting put to bed right now, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. this i think he wants a advanced uh, preview of this podcast so he's sitting in so i got a five-year-old i got a five-year-old guest producer today very fun very fun well we are um excited for this next episode we have um hopefully you guys had a great christmas hopefully um it's been a, a good opportunity to, to catch up on, on the four episodes of um frank incense uh it's been a good time um i really hey, I, I really look forward well, i've gotten some Oh, really? I've gotten some feedback from some of our episodes. Yeah, every once in a while, a friend will uh, message me and say, hey, love it, you know? So uh, uh, that's amazing. I was expecting to have hate mail by now, but uh, so far, I've only got encouragement and appreciation. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great thing. Yeah, I've, um, I've, heard, I've heard positive feedback as well, so that's a good thing. I think we'll see what happens. But if you do like it, I'm going to go ahead and give the plug now, and I'll plug it at the end, too. Go to iTunes. <laughs> Rate us, write a write a little thing, um, a review, because that helps people find this podcast. So it's really really valuable when that happens. So, yeah. But um, so today we are going into um some heavy stuff because I think that a lot of heavy stuff has gone on in these in these past couple weeks, really, but in, especially in this past week, um, in regards to. Um, well, actually, it's been going on for quite some time, but but this has kind of moved in moved us into a conversation talking about um, heavy topics that are for, affecting yeah, forever in the history of America. This is bringing us into, uh, unfortunately, the new chapter of a book that I, I was hoping would be finished by now. You know, that was a little naive to think that maybe we the twenty first century would bring a post racial America. Uh, um, but it has not. We're writing a, a new chapter of racism in America, unfortunately. Right. So we're we're jumping into that. We're jumping into that topic because I think that um, we, as representatives of the church, um, as people who claim to follow Jesus Christ, and we are trying to understand how to live this life well and and to do things well in our society, we we want to we want to jump into this conversation. Um, we we recognize that racism, sexism, um, you know, bigotry. There's so many things right now that are happening that we're seeing, and we feel like the church as a whole hasn't really been doing great at addressing it. Um, there are some who are rising up and speaking, um, and then there's our, there are a few that are being used as token uh, Christians and using to fill that, that um, conversation. And so we, in our small platform <laughs> want to go ahead and take the opportunity to address what we've what we've seen and what we've experienced and 
um, and how we feel the church could be responding in a better way. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't, why don't we start with the thing that uh, you were talking about earlier about uh, language? That's probably an easy place to start. Um, yeah. So, well, in regards to um, a, a, an article I read in, I believe, it might have been just an article I read on Facebook, a local news station covering a lawsuit happening at Universal Studios Orlando that had um, a Guatemalan family that is placing a lawsuit about – um, Universal Studios Orlando not having warning signs in Spanish. Um, feeling like, you know, Universal Studios Orlando should have, um, you know, warning uh, signs or things that are in their language that way they can understand. Um, and so, obviously, when you read an article like that, you want to read the comments because you know people are going to be sharing their true colors on Facebook. And it was sad. Um, to say the least, I, I saw several people saying comments like, well, if you're going to be living in America, you need to speak our language. If you're going to um, know, they should not be forced to cha- to give warning um, in, in other languages because this is America. We speak English, so you learn English. Um, and the whole idea of that, number one, is, okay, we're America, yes, um, but English is not our only language. You know what I mean? Like, no. In fact, there's there's no uh, there's no official language in the United States of America because you know we like to say, hey, America is all about freedom, uh, but we're going to uh, restrict your freedom on what language you can speak. Uh, but no, as a matter of fact, uh, the world, think about it, right? How can you, out of one hand, say, hi, we're all about freedom, and then on the other hand, say, no, nope, not that language, not that language. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, I can maybe there's a language of freedom. I don't know, maybe that's English. But anyway, uh, there is no official language built into the U.S. Constitution or anywhere in the U.S. government. It's not our official language. Uh, some states have adopted uh, an official language. Uh, you and I are, are broadcasting from West Virginia. Do you know what the official language of West Virginia is? Mm, no, I don't. Trick question. There isn't one. Oh wow! There's no, there's no official language of West Virginia. Uh, some states have two official languages. Uh, Hawaii has two official languages. Would you like to guess the two official languages of Hawaii? Um, I, I would like to guess, but I know I'll be wrong. So you go ahead and tell me. Okay, you ready for this? It's English and Hawaiian. English so and Hawaiian. So you can, you can speak. You can speak Hawaiian in Hawaii and be just as American as someone who speaks English. Whoa. So I guess that's one thing about it. My question with was this Universal Studios Florida that uh, that they were that the lawsuit was about? Okay, so Florida, large uh, Spanish speaking population, and I would think just in a business sense, right? Just in a business sense, that you would look at uh, the percentages. Uh, of languages uh, that seem to be spoken by the people in your park. I mean, my guess is they probably have already hired Spanish-speaking employees to speak to Spanish-speaking guests, right? I mean, it's a place of amusement where people are welcome. You should be able to go there if you speak any language, right? That that would be that would and, be my uh, assumption. Right. So if that's what they want, and then uh, I think if they if they notice a, a high volume of Spanish-speaking people in the park, then having us signs in Spanish would make sense. I lived for a, a good a period of time, five years, in the city of Phoenix, Arizona, and I noticed that most signs there were bilingual, and uh, not bilingual in English and Vietnamese, 
not bilingual in English and Japanese, no. Uh, there were certainly people in Phoenix who spoke Vietnamese or Japanese, but bilingual in English and Spanish because everyone knew that a large number of people in the city of Phoenix spoke Spanish. Yeah, and, and I think that um, when we – so so there's, there's two pieces I think that we should look at. So number one um, – whether or not there weren't weren't signs that were in the Spanish language, or whether or not there wasn't like a a, a voice a voice recording in Spanish where they were speaking and they just couldn't hear it, um, that's a factor that we have to weigh in on the whole idea. But what we want to go to is the reaction of people saying no. Like, right. Like, I mean, because like I don't know. I don't, right. I don't know what Universal yeah. Studios offers. I haven't been there. So, like, I mean, I've been to the one in California, and I've been to Disney World, and I know in Disney World there's signs in different languages, and there's voice recordings and that kind of thing. Um, but to have the idea to say, no, this is America, speak English. If you aren't going to learn how to speak English, then go go home. Um, number one, that's rude. Which, this is your home, by the way. Uh, you know, America is home to many Spanish-speaking people. I mean, you're allowed to speak whatever you want. We have people, nearby neighbors, uh, you know, up in Pennsylvania, uh, who are in Amish country, and they speak a language not English. Uh, it's some kind of uh, – I'm showing my ignorance here. Um, but there, there is a name for the Pennsylvania Dutch language that is spoken by Amish people in some places, and they're allowed to do that. Yeah. They're allowed to practice – uh, you know, America, they're allowed to practice religion the way they want, and they're allowed to speak the language that they want because, I mean, uh, remember, uh, freedom, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's – and so when I my, – my thing that was bothering me about this the most though is that, um, again, thinking through the idea of who are we as a nation um, to where we think that uh, people need to conform to us um, – and I'm not saying that we need to conform to anybody, but I'm also saying that we shouldn't be expecting people to be conforming to us, especially when they're visiting. Because that's the thing about Universal Studios Orlando. Um, it's a tourist attraction. Yeah. It's not some place that people yeah, – like, like, they aren't depending yeah, on like the, a worldwide attraction. Yeah, they aren't depending on people from the United States of America to be funding Universal Studios Orlando because honestly if any of these entertainment amusement parks are depending on just the people from America to do it United States to do it um, they'd be closed by now like that's just the reality like they're not going to last um, because because uh, okay, a quick story uh, a quick story about when I lived in Phoenix if you don't mind like yeah, go uh, ahead. when I lived there uh, I, I remember guys all the time you know would hear somebody uh, speaking Spanish in the city of Phoenix and say hey this is this is America if you come to the United States, you need to learn to speak English. Then uh, I, some of those fellows and I uh, took a little trip to the beach in Mexico, and we went up to the beach uh, to the lovely uh, town of Puerto Penasco, and we went to go get something to eat. We went into the restaurant in Mexico, and you know what these guys said? Hey, does anyone here speak English? <laughs> and that's the thing, right? Like when we were like. Like I've been to different countries and I've and I've experienced that same thing where people go like, "Man, can I find anybody who speaks English around here?" It's like, "Well, wait a second. You you just came into their country. Why didn't you learn their language? Like, why do you expect them to com conform again to you? Like, this is this is our ego in America, right? Where we think in the USA, right? Because America is bigger than just us. Again, like you know, we're we're a part of the 
the continent of North America. So we are the United States of America. We are the United States, and that's something we always forget. Like, we are America. No, we're not. Um, We're a part of it. But so we get very arrogant about our country, about our people, about who we are, and we kind of tell people, like, you need to be like us. Um, And the sad part about it is, again, when people start saying that we are a, 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 a Christian nation, right, I'm going to argue from this point because I hear it all the time. Yeah. We're a Christian nation or we need to get back to being a Christian nation. Um, so then you start to wonder what kind of impact is that have, having on the gospel across the nation, across the world, right? When you're telling people that you need to yeah. be like us, if you're going to be coming into a Christian nation, you need to be just like us. You need to speak our language and, and you better believe that if you don't, we want you out of here. Because what kind of a Christian nation does that does that speak to people? Like it, it's, a, it's yeah. a horrible representation. Well, I can tell you what part of what it speaks is the underlying thing of you need to speak my language and you need to look like me and you need to assimilate to my culture is that the way I look is best. My language is best. Mm. My culture is best. That's the underlying attitude there. And then if you could get yourself figured out as a nation, you'd become more like us. That's the attitude. Yeah. And it, so I see where, you know, where you're coming from. Now, I kind of derailed the conversation a little bit, talk, telling my opinions about Spanish. But where you're coming from is people's attitudes in, in the comments toward that, not the story itself or whether the lawsuit itself was right or wrong, but just the immediate attitude that people had. But the immediate knee-jerk attitude that people had come, came from a place of nationalism, really. It came from a place of supremacy people don't like to call it that because they don't want to feel like you know uh i'm white supremacist or i'm nationalist or something but but the fact is that's kind of where it's coming from like hey you want to you want to be up here then you need to start acting basically you start acting like a white american Mm. yeah yeah and and it's the it's that mentality again of of how great are we how do you need to be like us look at look how great we are um Although if we were to compare ourselves to some nations, we, we aren't really as great as we think we are. Um, and, but then we want to blame that on other nations. <laughs> you know, it's like we don't want to own yeah. it for ourselves. But, um, but so to come back to the gospel piece of it all, because that's, that's my perspective instantly is, okay, so now, because I'm always reflecting on how we represent ourselves as a Christian nation, right? Because we're a Christian nation, but we want to build, right. a, we want to build a wall, right? We're a Christian nation. But we want to um, keep people from being able to experience life and, and freedom. Um, and we, we're a Christian nation, but we expect people to act a certain way and be a certain way. Otherwise, they, don't, they aren't going to be able to fit in with us. Um, but that is totally anti the gospel, right? It has nothing to do with yes. the gospel message. And right. So, go ahead. Uh, which the, the gospel... Jesus, you know, a big part of the gospel of Jesus, I mean, yeah, we, we always think of the gospel as what you have to believe in to get saved. You know, a lot of people feel like the gospel is, is like, a, you know, the sinner's prayer. Let's let's believe in the, in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, believe and receive. That is core. But Jesus said, if you believe in me, uh, uh, you will keep my commandments. And one of his, like, most... Uh, you know, fervent commandments was, uh, you know, basically accept the poor, you know, spend time with the poor, feed the poor, you know, clothe 
uh, all of that. And so that's a part of it. And basically welcoming the fatherless, uh, the alien, uh, the widow, um, taking all those people in, that's a part of living out the gospel of Jesus. That's where that, you know, uh, faith in action comes into play. And why is that not the attitude, you know? The, the, the immediate attitude of like accommodating people, not like getting rid of people who, who don't fit in already. And that's where um, we're, we're going to go now with this conversation because this is where it infiltrates the church, right? This mentality of – because we, yeah. we've allowed for our um, American mentality um, – and I just put air quotes um, on a – audio audible medium so that's awesome but um but i did air quotes people but um it's okay if you tell them they're <laughs> yeah i just did air quotes around the idea of american but anyway um our american ideals have infiltrated the church which is supposed to be global right the church is global it's not just for united states of america and so when we create our united states of america mentality in the church we start to give the same vibe um especially from the white American aspect of things, right? I'm not, I'm not turning it into a racial thing at this moment, but at the same time, that this is what occurs: is that if you don't look like us, if you don't speak like us, if you don't, if you don't act like us, um, you really don't have a place here. And so the church becomes a, a, a place that um, creates a very uh, segregated, separated mindset, and people don't feel like they can come in because now. Um, as you just said, instead of becoming accommodating to people, it's like, no, no, no. Like, don't come in and expect me to move out of my seat for you because this is my seat. Right. Don't expect us to change um, our our traditional things that we do because these are our traditions. And if you don't like them, then find somewhere else to go. Um, and obviously, I mean, yeah, they can find somewhere else to go. But is that really the right mindset to have in a church where – um, well, we've done this always, and so if you don't like it, then you need to go somewhere else or go back to go back to where you came from, and then people leave the church. Right, or which, do you want to come back? Yes, yeah, sir. Which would you say we've done it always? So you don't mean always since the beginning of of the Jesus and the twelve disciples. You don't mean always since the first century church. You mean always, as in maybe the last hundred fifty years of the church in America. Probably, or even as um, always, in regards to the the cornerstone that was placed in the building, because you know it was established in 1975 or something, or 1874, and so we've done it since right. then. And that's when you know that's the stone that tells us when the church started. Although the church has been around way longer than this building has, um, and but yet we look at it and say this is where the church started, and this is what the church has always done. And so then the church, when you started thinking about doing new things, everybody balks at it and says, no, 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 we can't do that. Um, you need to go somewhere else if you're going to try doing that. You know, um, I mean, I've faced that. Yeah. I've faced that in my past, you know, where it's like working working at different places, like trying to bring in, bring in something new, um, a new energy, a new idea. Yeah. Um, and people look at you like you're foreign, you know, and which I, – I am, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I mean, people would, I, I'm different. Wait, wait, people, wait, foreign. What was that? 
somebody's accusing you of being foreign, but you said that you're foreign? Well, no, no, no. Like, they look at me like, like I'm foreign just because of my ideas. Like, they go, oh, my gosh, you're from a different place. And it's like, well, yeah, you're right. Um, I am. I'm, yeah. I have, well, I, I get that, too, actually. Yeah. I sometimes if – if you have anything – and anything kind of different to say, it's a little bit like, whoa, weird guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the church has become a place that that is very similar to the, the mindset of what some of these people commenting on this article towards the lawsuit. It's uh, um, you be like us or go home. You you fit in with us or you go right. home. You learn how to you, – you conform to who we are or you get out. And and it's hard because I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. Um, the only transformation that's supposed to occur is through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit moving inside of us to become something new. But the church itself was made up of so many different people, so many different cultures, so many different yeah. dialects. So much so that they were freaked out when people started speaking their language on the day of Pentecost, right? It was yes. like, like, this is something new to that's us. It. You know, so so they brought in different people, different ideas, different things, and that made up the church. But now we look at it. Yeah, here. exactly. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that. That was the first thing that popped into my mind uh, about what is the church. I mean, you know, um, you know, if you believe in the Bible, uh, which I know you and I do, and we believe in the Old Testament, and uh, know that uh, you know God. God caused the confusion at the Tower of Babel uh, and created all the different languages or the beginnings of languages for people to be separated and move about on the earth. You know, and that was that was you know a, a punishment for rebellion, uh, you know, against the Creator. But one thing that brought us all back together to, to reconcile us was uh, was in the day of Pentecost. You know, uh, when when uh, God sends the Holy Spirit after the resurrection of Jesus, the first thing that happens. Is everybody there is hit with what the Bible can only describe as tongues of fire, and then all of a sudden they just start speaking in. I mean, I, I always wish that would happen to me right before a Spanish test or something, you know, uh, that I would get hit by a tongue of fire and immediately speak perfect Spanish. Uh, but then, fresh or whatever class I was in, right? But that's what happened there is that um, you know God brought uh, everybody together uh, in the church and. And, and um, it wasn't that, you know, he could have just easily sent tongues of fire to all of the foreign people and made them speak uh, Aramaic or whatever Hebrew, or whatever, um, you know, Hebrew or whatever Peter was about to preach in, right? He could have just easily done that, but he didn't do that. He sent tongues of fire uh, to the to the disciples so that they could preach in people's own language and they could hear the gospel in their own language. It's as if God uh, appreciates each of those languages, actually. Right. And I think that that's that's huge. Is that when we when we can start getting ourselves out of the just United States of America church mindset and start thinking of the church globally the way it's supposed to be, then we start really realizing that everybody should be welcome. Like everybody should be in their place. And and so, but now to go towards where we're going to be headed in the next week, talking about you know racism as a whole in the church in the country and how um, the church has been um, some people in the church have been semi-silent but then you also have people who have been very vocal about um, again seeing right. seeing Christian leaders being very vocal about building the wall right and and the wall is a big picture of of this separation of this um you know, you can talk about the protection. You can talk about all that stuff, and I get that. You know, I understand. I understand that mindset, 
Um, but again, for, for Christians to be looking at it and saying, um, we need to build this wall because we need to keep those people out. Um, again, Christian nation, right. what, what is the Christian nation being, what is, what is the sign being shown from a Christian nation in regards to that? Um, when it comes to, uh, sexism in the church and in the culture and, and how, um, even with the government shutdown, I saw like, there's a, a violence against women, um, act that has, um, yeah. f- that has, um, expired, I guess, right through this, through this whole process. And so what does that look like for, for women to feel valued, to feel like safe, to feel like they have a place. And then you have, again, church leaders who are speaking in support of people who are standing, um, basically in clear opposition of this act, right? Uh, in clear opposition of protecting women, um, and who have spoken pretty poorly about women. And so now we have, again, Christian leaders representing the church, speaking in support of and encouraging, um, people who don't stand um, for what we should be standing for towards women, um, without, right. without being too clear about that, because I want to make sure that people listen, um, because it's going to be a good conversation when we get into that. But we have so many things that we need to be addressing as the church, and we realize that there's pieces that are just that are just messed up, and have and have remained um, taboo, have been pushed under the rug because men who are in charge of it have been afraid to acknowledge it because either they don't know how to acknowledge it or because they have their own stuff that they don't want to come out because if they do, then they lose power, they lose prestige, um, and they lose, they, they have potential of losing their church. Right. And, and that's where, um, again, that losing their church, losing that or losing that respect that they feel that they had in the community. And I honestly think where a lot of people like in the civil rights movement, when people were saying, listen, we know, we know that black Americans are not being treated fairly. We know there's not a quality, but they kept saying, wait, wait, <laughs> you know, and that's why you have, you know, Langston Hughes, you know, back in the 1920s writing about a hope deferred, this idea of like, we understand that you're right, you know, uh, black America, we understand, but we just want you to wait. And the idea was, like maybe if we just wait long enough, it won't have to be us that deals with it and goes through the mess and, and be disrupted and, and take away our comfort, you know? Because when people say, wait, we'll deal with this another time, they're saying, let me be comfortable now. Let somebody, they're passing the buck to the next generation is what happened. And the civil rights movement just came when eventually, you know, people said enough. And there were many cultural factors that led to that. But the idea was enough. It, we're not waiting. We've waited for 100 years now. You know, yeah, and I think that we are in a time. And wouldn't it, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I guess I guess I want to say, wouldn't it be nice if the church hadn't been segregated through all of that, throughout our history? Because we know that the church has been segregated, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. Okay, um, but uh, you know, Martin Luther King in 1960 uh, famously said on a Meet the Press interview that uh, 11 o'clock. Sunday morning was the most segregated hour, and the idea was that you had black churches and white churches going on. The whole reason that the black churches even started is because uh, when you know when slavery ended, and there was this idea that there was going to be equality, um, black Americans were not accepted 
uh, in the churches. I, there was a time when uh, Christian, Christians tried to get together, actually tried to uh, be all together in harmony, just like we're supposed to be, you know, according to Jesus, according to the book of Acts, according to Paul, when he said there's either male or female, slave or free, Jew or Greek, you know, we're all the same in Christ Jesus. You know, they tried to get together that way, and the problem was is that the uh, the, the black uh, members of the congregation were still being treated as if they were less. Like, no, you can't sit up here. You have to sit in a special section. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to be away from the white people. You know, uh, who knows like how far that segregation went? But the idea was it's going to be segregated. So it just you know they got so frustrated that it was like, look, all right, if we're not welcome here, then we're going to be fully segregated, and there's going to be black church. And now the black churches have have developed a beautiful traditions on their own, and white churches have developed along this this other uh, this other timeline. It's almost like we're living in two different churches uh, developing separately, uh, but both claiming to be led by the same Holy Spirit and the same God. But wouldn't it be kind of cool if that had never actually happened? You know, what if people had started to accept each other, you know, <laughs> right after the Emancipation Proclamation and people got together and said the church is going to lead this? You know, there would have never been segregation of schools. There never would have been Jim Crow. You know, there never would have been segregated platoons in World War Two or Vietnam. You know, there never would have been any of that, you know, because I think maybe the church could have led that. Or if that was going on, if there was segregation of schools, people would look to the church and say that in the walls of that church, there is no segregation. Those people love each other as brothers and sisters in there. But the church didn't do that. We followed suit. We went along with uh, the pattern of the world, you know, mm-hmm. and in fact, church leaders, uh, as we'll examine next week, uh, even getting behind uh, some of the segregation, you know, and, and perpetuating it when they should have been a big part of the people ending it. I mean, you should be able to walk in the doors of a church and just see everybody. I mean, everybody, no matter what they look like, no matter what language they speak, just getting together and praying, holding hands and praying, you know, mm-hmm. you should see that, you know, you should see people looking each other in the eye and saying, you're my brother, not this, this business where we act just like the world and be as segregated as the caste system that um, the United States gave to us from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, that's a, basically what it's speaking to is power, right? It's um, a lot of it has to do with just power people who felt that again they were superior they 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 understood life they understood how to be certain things and they wanted to make everybody be like them and so again um they oppressed they and it's so weird though because again i don't know how you can look at scripture where it says very clearly to to free the oppressed to lift them up right to free the slaves to free the prisoner and yet Right. We want to be the ones that are saying, well, let's define that for it. Let's define that, right? Let's, well, I don't know if it really means that. And, you know, it's, they're good enough to, they're good enough to make our clothes, but they're not good enough to wear them, right? Like that's, that's basically the mentality of a lot of people. And, and this is where the problem comes. Um, and so we're going to be looking at that because I think the church needs to be speaking. This church needs to be speaking up a lot louder. Yeah. Um, and we are going to be using our voice here. To cause yeah. um, that conversation with the, you know, up to thirty-five listeners that we think we have now, but um, 
but we have crossed the. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I think so. We actually, but the thing is, though, um, we actually crossed the hundred, the hundred barrier. So we actually had a hundred downloads recently, which is really awesome. Um, and so that, I mean, like, hey, man, you know, when we have those statistics popping up, that's a pretty big deal. So that means that people are listening. Um, so we're gonna have those conversations. And and what I was gonna say though too is that I think, and this is kind of my final thought on this, just because I feel like this is a good intro to where we're headed. Um, but my final thought yeah. kind of at this point is that I think that we're, we're at a new place in the church. Um, cause again, I think there's people our age, um, maybe a little bit older, but I think that, um, significantly in our, in our age, um, group and younger who are starting to realize that, that we should be using our voice to rise up, to, to stand up for what's, what, what God calls us to stand up for. Because even in Micah 6, 8, where it says, he's shown you, oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you to do justice, to do justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly, right, with your God. Um, and so for us, like we we have people who are rising up now in our age group, saying this is where we're at. And it kind of brings me to the Israelite people, right, when they are in the desert and they are constantly wondering where's God, what's He doing, you know, and they're questioning, 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 to a point where basically God's like, look, <laughs> you guys aren't going to get the promised land. So you're going to be wandering, and then the next generation is going to rise up, and that's the generation that's going to get the promised land because they're going to be willing, wow. they're going to be willing to step into something that's a little bit messy, and they're going to be willing to take the risk, and they're going to be willing to listen to me a little bit more and follow my lead. Now, yes. granted, some yes. some messed up, but ultimately they receive the promised land, and I feel like right now we are in a time where. Um, the older generation that's been walking around the desert thinking they've been doing it right, thinking that they understood God, but yet God's like, man, I have so much more for you, but you have not been listening well. Um, so because you haven't really been listening or you've been too prideful or you've been afraid of losing um, your your prestige and your power, um, I'm, I'm not going to give you what you could have received. But the generation who's going to start stepping into this and start lifting their voice without yeah. fear... I'm going to give them something big. And I think we're heading into something big for the church. We're heading into something big for uh, for the kingdom. But we're heading into something big for the world because the world needs to hear a gospel that's inclusive, a gospel that loves everyone, a gospel that is not calling people to be, you know, to conform to certain ways, but to just really listen to Jesus and live life for him. But that's really what we're calling people to. And what that looks like is is life-changing and is world-changing if done right. Um, so for us, you know, we're living in a time now where enter the promised land and let's start challenging the walls that have been built. Um, it's interesting that we're trying to build a wall and the generation that took over the promised land walked around a wall and knocked it down. Um, I kind of feel like that's a big piece. There's a, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Um, you know, so... I don't know. I think that that's kind of where my mind is right now on this, and I feel like we're heading in a good way. And so in the next weeks, the next few episodes, we're going to be talking about some heavy topics, and and uh, this could be an opportunity for yeah. us to start moving into the promised land together. I'm like, I get it. You know, I you're better final words than I am, uh, but uh, all I can say is, is it's never too late, you know? I mean, if uh, many, many generations of American Christians – have screwed up this uh, this uh, loving each other and accepting one another fully 
as equals at the foot of the cross of Christ, uh, that doesn't mean that we have to do the next hundred years that way. It's not too late. Amen. Yeah, I think we're going to be, next week's conversation is going to be big. Um, and so hopefully you'll tune in. Hopefully you've enjoyed this one. And we're going to have have a lot more coming at you in the next few weeks. And um, I know that yeah. we have, I think we have a few conversations towards this, but then we're going to have a special episode with our wives, I think, in a, um, very soon, which is exciting. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, which I'm, they're... Uh... They're smarter and uh, also funnier. <laughs> yes, yes, and so you're gonna, um, we're gonna have an opportunity to do that. And um, and have you spoken to your wife about that yet? Uh, yeah, I did. Okay, good. I told her that uh, she had to be get some time, and uh, you know she's really good at uh, improvising. And uh, my wife represents the uh, best kind of person in the world, which you never know what she's going to say next. And when I told my wife, I could see her eyes get big, and she was like, "I have to mentally prepare." And so she's she's ready. I think I think she's gonna mentally prepare and be ready. But uh, but yeah, it's gonna yeah. Be, it's gonna be a good time to have them on. So we have some great stuff coming your way. Yeah, we have some great stuff coming your way and um, our way, and yeah. and we're excited. It's episode five, and I think we're gonna be doing ten episodes, and then taking a little break, and then coming back. Right, that's our plan. So. Yeah, but we'll see what happens. Who knows? We might say, nope, we're going to keep recording. Let's do this. But but we'll see what goes on. Yeah. But right now we're going to go ahead and I think I'm going to go ahead and say we're, we're done with this part. And uh, we'll be back next Friday with more. Hey, see you later. Hasta luego. <laughs> Hasta luego. Hey, man, it's been great. So, again, this is Bobby. This is Jared. And you've been listening to Frankincense Podcast, and we are excited to have you with us. Looking forward to next week. Hey, Jared. Talk to you later, man.